In the coming of Jesus, we discover a royal naming. Jesus is called Emmanuel, Savior, Son of God, Bread of Life, King of the Jews, Redeemer, Jehovah Jireh, and so much more. In the naming of Jesus, we discover a King that is worthy of worship. Come with us as we discover the power of a name. Well, good day to you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors here. Merry Christmas. I'd like to know who's finished their Christmas shopping and asked them to leave. <laughs> Anybody else feel that way? Like it's one of the, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's that week. Um, one of my kids reminded me yesterday, like, dad, are you going to get us anything this year? And I was like, oh no. Um, praise God for wives. Amen. She takes care of pretty much all of it. So, uh, but it is Christmas. And when it's Christmas, we have all these different ideas that come into our mind, um, different thoughts, different traditions uh, that we have. Uh, we just gave up a tradition every year. We would go to the same place. We'd cut down a Christmas tree, a live one, of course. Um, it doesn't work very well if you cut down a dead one. Um, and so we were th- we'd go and it's just the smell. And yet this year um, I bought a fake one. It feels wrong. It feels like a little bit of sin, um, but I will have, I need to give you a confession. I gave people a hard time for ushering in Christmas too early. I, after I preached that sermon, it got me so excited about a month and a half ago. It got me so excited for Christmas. I went out the next day, bought a tree, put it up. Um, and so I like to say, I'm sorry if I gave you a hard time. Um, there's certain traditions. In fact, when you think about some type of Christmas setting or tradition that you have that makes you go, yeah, um, what is that? In fact, say it on the count of three. Everybody got one in there? Just think about it for a moment. You got it? One, two, three. <laughs> I heard nothing. Like usually I'm like, you said, what? somebody in the last one said Thanksgiving. I'm like, wrong holiday. Um, you, you think about all the lights, um, colored or white lights on the tree? One, two, three. Okay. Like that's, church is split over that. Right. There, there's all these different ideas. Um, somebody said hot cocoa. I remember hearing that last uh, before I asked somebody, what do you think about this? I was like, that's not, that's not a Christmas tradition. They're like, yeah, it is. I can drink as much as I want. And it was this little kid and their father, which was weird. Um, like you have all these notions of gifts and these ideas. And here's the reality. And, and I hope you hear this the right way. I, I pray that you do. Um, here's my struggle with Christmas is that I truly believe that most people, even Christians, so hear me carefully, we have settled into replacing the significance of the birth of a Savior with snowmen and Saint Nick. All right, so uh, evaluation time. In fact, I think we always say that transformation is a continual what? It's a continual process. We're all always being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and dwelling within us. And so then you have to evaluate how do we need to be transformed? When you think Christmas, do you get most excited? I just self-evaluation. Do you get most excited about, man, I can't wait. Christmas Eve, and I love this, by the way, so, so that I'm confessing to you. Um, I, Christmas Eve, there's going to be some steak on my table and some sweet potato casserole and some green beans 
greens and there's going to be a strawberry salad, which makes it sound healthy, but let's be honest, it's a bunch of fat and I love it. And so it's like, like, should it be a salad? There's nothing green in it. It's like just sugar and cream cheese and graham cracker crumbs melted in butter. Amen. Anybody? Like, right, did Jesus, who, Jesus just speak to you, um, right? Like that's, so like there's these traditions that we have and yet do you feel greatest when you think of those or do you recognize that you actually feel greatest when you know that the King of Kings gave his son to die for you? There's the birth of the Messiah. Can we just, just think about it? We love the lights, right? And for me, it's white lights. I think there's just something about it. There's, you're gonna have the light. We love the lights. We love the snowmen. Not this year though, praise God. Right? Oh, stop. You win every year. Let me have a year. Right? So I, I look at all this and I go, well, this is amazing. We love the snowmen. We love the lights. We love the hot cocoa. We love the ideas of families coming together, even though for a lot of people, they don't have family to come together. And what we've done is we have literally settled into replacing the significance of the birth of a savior with snowmen and St. Nick, truly. And there's nothing wrong with snowmen and St. Nick. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there is only one reason to celebrate and that is the birth of a king. One is a nicety. One is worth celebrating. And because we have, we have replaced the significance of the birth of a Messiah with these other things, when those other things don't go very well, we all of a sudden, we think that the world is collapsing. It's not. God is worth trusting and he is faithful. The king is for eternity. And so we now can always celebrate the power of the birth of a Messiah, the birth of a king. But there is a reality check for all of us that sometimes we don't comprehend it that way. We don't compute that way. Why? Because many people reject Jesus as Messiah. I'll give you two. And I'm going to begin with a little bit of apologetics here. I'm not offering an apology. That's not what apologetics is. Apologetics is defense of the gospel. So if you're taking notes, this might be a good way for you. If you have friends who reject the notion of Jesus being Messiah, this might give you some ammunition. All right. Two primary reasons people reject Jesus as Messiah. Two primary. I'm not saying the only reasons, but two primary reasons. Two different things. Resurre- the resurrection. It's not possible. There's no way that somebody can be dead and then raised from the dead and then boom, right? The resurrection and then the, vir- the virgin birth. It's not the only two reasons, but those are the two primary reasons that people reject Jesus as Messiah. Resurrection, virgin birth. Resurrection, virgin birth. Resurrection, virgin birth. Why is it such a struggle? It's because so many of us only process and we only want to believe in that which we can understand. We forget that God is going to work in the what? Supernatural and the miraculous, even the healing of somebody who is sick. That is a supernatural. That is a miraculous thing. And so then you take that to a level that we can't wrap our minds around. And that comes to the resurrection and the virgin birth. And so these things are a struggle for us, for us, but yet the birth fulfilled numerous prophecies regarding the birth of the Messiah. I'll give you the first one that you can write down, Isaiah 7:14. Now Isaiah was written roughly 740 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. How many years? 740 years beforehand. And yet this is what it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold a 
So that's important because what do we most struggle with? Um, the resurrection and the virgin birth. And it tells us, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You'll hear more about that later on. But right away, here's a prophecy from 740 years prior that says, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is significant for us because friends, what we do have is we have proof that all these things have been written. They have the documentation. And so people go, wait. So when, when people go, well, there's no way that that happened. They also have to argue against all of these writings that have been found that actually date things accordingly. And we go, oh no. Over 300 prophecies fulfilled perfectly in the coming of Jesus Christ. It's just, we can't wrap our mind around it. How about Jeremiah? I'll give you another one. Jeremiah 33. I'm not going to throw this on the screen, but Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. This is written around 650 years. All right, so you got one Isaiah, 740-ish years. You got Jeremiah, roughly 650 years. How many years? 650 years before the coming of Jesus. And it says, it's another text that speaks of this saying, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth and shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. That's important because we know that there are two genealogies mentioned of Jesus Christ in the gospel of Luke and in the gospel of Matthew. We're diving heavy into Matthew this year, even though Luke would give more, a more extensive version or, or understanding of the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew is still also incredibly uh, valuable for us. And so here we have this genealogy of Jesus in Matthew and also in Luke, and it both speaks to the line of Abraham and of David down to Joseph. That's significant. It shows that Joseph and Mary both, both came from the seed of Abraham as well. Another prophecy being fulfilled. In that gospel of Luke, Luke 1.32, we read this. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now remember, in all the genealogy and all the lineage, the two primary ties that we have to understand are Abraham and good. You've learned that last two weeks. Abraham and David, most important for us. It's not the only, but it's the most important. So now here he is, given the throne of his father, David. We also look at Matthew chapter 1, 21 through 23. And this is just a, a this is looking at a combination of, of passages of, of, of translations, trying just to help us understand the theme. It says, she will bear a son, says the angel, you shall call his name what? That's important. It is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place at what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. All of this is telling a story of hope. All of this is telling a story, all the prophecies telling a story of redemption. And the more we learn of scripture, the more we learn Christ was sent in human flesh on a mission of redemption. God with us in flesh on a mission of human redemption. And his entire life was based on accomplishing that mission. Now that right away makes me evaluate my life and what's the purpose of my life. And am I giving my life to that purpose? That's why I tell people all the time, I want to die empty. 
I'm not trying to die uh, and make sure that I have the last 20, 25 years to retire and do whatever I want. I don't want to die rested. I want to die worn out, exhausted, bleeding for the purpose of declaring Jesus Christ is my king. That's what we get to do as believers in Jesus Christ. To me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Words of Paul, it's John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. And that's what we get to do. And you're more eager to do that the more you understand what God was doing in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. Here's another way to think about it. It's humanity's greatest need became God's greatest mission through Jesus. Maybe we just need to simply understand our need so that we can better understand the significance of Christ. I mean, I'm wanting us to fall so in love with who Jesus is that even those words, just the name Jesus will speak differently to us. Why? Because even Paul in Galatians 4, 4 through 5, and if you haven't noticed, it's Isaiah and Jeremiah and Matthew and Luke, and now we're in Galatians. The entire word of God written over the course of a couple thousand years falls perfectly in line with each other. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem. I told you greatest need, right? Became God's greatest mission, which was a mission of redemption. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption, adoption as sons and daughters in Christ. That's what Jesus is doing. He ends up coming as primarily as prophet, priest, and king. You need to know that he comes as prophet, priest, and king, Jesus Christ. Prophet meaning that he mediates truth from God. We now also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's the living word. The word became flesh, John chapter 1, and dwelt among us. He's the high priest. It's the difference between what we believe and what a lot of Catholics believe is that they still have priests so that they serve as a mediator between ourselves and God. So a lot of people go to confessional, etc. The difference is we know that now Christ is the great high priest. We need no one to mediate for us. We have a personal relationship through the enjoying of the Holy Spirit so that we can go to God ourselves. It's the difference. So he is prophet. He is priest. He's also king. He mediates the rule of God, the king greater than David. So this is what we get to dive into today. Understanding all that helps you to hear his name different. It helps you to hear his name different. And this is my goal for today is anybody remember the first time you told someone that you love them? Raise your hand. If not, and you're married, you should be raising your hand anyway. I'm just trying to help you out. Like sometimes I'm like, really? Like, hello? Like you wonder why you got in trouble? Um, so I remember the first time I told my wife I love her. What stinks is when you're so confident in your love for someone else and they don't portray the same confidence. Like I'm like, I, I'm just, I, I just get it. I, I, like, I just need to tell you, like, I mean, like, um, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful weather out, isn't it? It's great. Like, it's so good. And I, I, I love you. And you're just waiting for the, what, what do you want to hear back? And I heard, thank you. 
I could literally, it's like, oh, oh, that stinks. Uh, that didn't go as I planned, right? But you know that first time you hear the word, I love you, and from the person that you love, and like I just did last year, it was great, right? And it's like you hear it for the first time, and you're like, oh my goodness, yes. Yes, like it does, it does something in you, doesn't it? I want us to start hearing the name of Jesus and have that same feeling to go, wait, God gave his son, which is better than the lights, which is better than the hot cocoa. Guys, if you lose a tradition and you lose the awe of Christmas, you have placed the value on the wrong thing. You hear this? If you lose a tradition and you lose the all of Christmas, you've placed value on the wrong thing. I'm not saying that some of the, I'm not saying the traditions are wrong. Don't stop right now. Stop. Some of you are already sending me an email. Don't care. I'm not saying that they're wrong in amongst themselves. But when you lose a tradition and you think Christmas is now falling apart, but we've, we've always done that. Guys, all you need to know is God, the creator of the universe, gave his son, Jesus, to die for you. He gave himself to be human flesh, fully human, fully divine, so that anybody who places faith in him can have eternal life. That's all you need to go, wow. Everybody say it, wow. That's all you need. And so there's that self-evaluation coming back in front of us going, okay, do I actually expect to have more than that? So here comes in this passage in Matthew chapter one. Ha, that was all intro. Get ready. Mary is here with child. The name is to be Jesus. The name is to be what? Wow. Names do something. One of the primary things that names do, uh, especially in the word of God, um, if you know anything about names, they establish identity. They establish identity. Names establish what? So we know this, and, and as a result of that, um, even when we name a newborn child, we have different ways of doing that. Sometimes we name a kid based on a relative. Um, and so we always want to look at that. And we're like, okay, yeah, like my name is, I'll go ahead and tell you, my name is Joel Clifford Wayne. I was named after my father, James Clifford Wayne, who was named after his father, who he never met, who only had one name. He didn't have a middle name. His name was just Clifford Wayne. So they wanted to keep that in the family. So here I am my whole life. I've been referred to as the big red dog. And if you do that, I will never speak to you again. Like, as I started telling that story, I'm like, I'm a dummy. Why am I telling this story? But names mean something. And so there are a lot of times they establish identity. Some people have given a name um, based on the book, right? They just got out of a book. They're like 50 names, top names of whatever year you were born. And they were looking, that's what we did. We looked at that and we're like, okay, yeah, that didn't help at all. And we're looking at family names and all types of things, um, it was significant. I named one of my kids, middle name's Patrick, because I love St. Patrick's Prayer. Christ above me, beneath me, to my left, to my right, in front of me, behind me, but more, more than anything else, Christ within me, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, in the eye of everyone who sees me. I have, every single time I've heard that, I memorize the whole thing because I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to die living like. So names have meaning. They establish identity. Think about people like Adam and Moses and Abraham and Jacob. There are over 300 names, 340, 
340 names or combination of names of Jesus in the Bible, 36 in the book of Revelation alone. They establish an identity of who he is. Well, we, we call him Christ. All right? He's the mediator between us and God. He's the one promised in the Old Testament. He is the anointed. He's referred to as the anointed one in Matthew 3 at his baptism. All of that, can you say, it's the whole Bible. It all works beautifully together. It all works beautifully together. Let me go ahead and tell you, if you ever want to go listen to somebody and they only preach the New Testament, all they're doing is cheapening the significance of the power of the word. All of this fits perfectly together for us. And so this name of Jesus is identifying who he really is. It's letting us know what it really means for us. Uh, another passage that we often go to at Christmas because of the prophecy being fulfilled is in, of course, not Isaiah 7, 14, but Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, write that one down and it tells us for to us, and here it is for us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called, read these with me, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. In many ways, these are adjectives about his name, about who he is, his identity. He's wonderful counselor, the glory of who he is and what he has done is wonderful. He is to guide us, counsel us. And the decisions that we make and, and how we live our life, the way that we speak, the way that we view other people so that we can live out John 13, 35, that by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love them. And so it establishes this identity that is within us, that he's mighty God, that he is the God of all creation and glory that he's not only mighty God, but he's everlasting father, that he is a creator himself. Some of us struggle with everlasting father because maybe you don't have a good relationship with an earthly father, but a broken earthly relationship doesn't limit you in having a heavenly relationship with the almighty God. Isn't that good news? I don't know why, and I didn't say it in the last service, but I feel like I need to say it again. Not having a good earthly relationship with the Father doesn't limit you from having an incredible relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so not only is He everlasting Father, but He's the Prince of Peace. He's the one that surpasses, according to Philippians uh, 4, He surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Doesn't even make sense. How can I have peace in the midst of chaos? Anybody ever gone through chaos in your life? Anybody? Anybody ever had peace in the midst of the chaos? You're like, how do I have peace right now? It's called the presence of God. Like this doesn't make any sense. How do I lose a parent and then struggle financially? And then I have a neighbor who's in crisis and all these things. And I'm trying to figure out stuff and leaving the church and all these different crises that seems to be falling in. And I'm going, but I have peace because he is the Prince of Peace. This is how the New Living Translation says it in Matthew 1, 21 through 25. A little different translation. And it says this. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. 
Like, again, just that name, I want you to go, ha, 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 right? This is better than anything you can eat Christmas Eve and any friends that you can see. You hear the name Jesus and go, wow. She'll have a son. And by the way, if you claim to know Jesus Christ and that's not your response, I think you've probably given greater attention to other things than you know. You've set that to the side and you've actually elevated the other temporary things over that of the eternal king. I'm not saying that you're not a believer. I'm saying that sometimes we, we have misaligned priorities. Maybe some of you have misaligned priorities. You're in the name of Jesus. For he will save people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, look. The virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, and I spoke about this last week, we need more men and women like Joseph. And when, because when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. This is the great contribution. If, you, if Joseph did nothing else in his life, I don't know how good of a car, carpenter he was. I've had some people that have been carpenters and, and I'm like, hey, can you fix this? And they just, they should not be a carpenter. Right? I mean, everybody has a different skill set. But when you simply use glue to fix something, I think it should be wood to fix wood. And I look at these things and maybe he wasn't good. I don't know if he was a good carpenter, but man, he already, he had a good life by one thing. He got to name the son of God. That's, that's cool. What'd you do for a living? He didn't have to talk about his career. He didn't have to talk about how much money he made or didn't make. He didn't have to talk about what kind of car he drove. He just said, I named the son of God. It's pretty cool. And Joseph named him Jesus. I want to talk about this name Jesus and more of what that means for us. Because again, I want you to hear it and I want you to process what it's going to look like, these traditions. And don't worry, next Sunday there will be even more for that Christmas Eve. We'll have more of that tradition, more of some of those things come into play. It, it'll be great. But none of it is really worth it unless it draws you closer to the king. Jesus is the savior from God. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua, which means salvation, Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, Joshua, Yeshua means salvation. Just as Joseph was a part of delivering the people, now Jesus is delivering the people and leading them to victory. Why? Because we no longer need to bring sacrifices before the throne of God over and over and over and over again to say, God, forgive me. God, here's a payment of my sin uh, for the penalty of my sin. Here's what, and God just said, no, I'm, I'm going to take care of it. I, I'm, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to give my son to come in human flesh for you. Allow him to be birthed into this world. So here he is leading his people to victory. His mission, he had a mission. Gee, I think we forget that. 
Jesus had a mission to redeem people, to redeem the world from their brokenness. So his mission is to rescue sinners and then bring them before God through faith in him. That's his mission. We now, friends, in one regard, we don't get to rescue the sinner, but we get to tell people of his mission to bring them to a relationship in God. That is a responsibility. It is your responsibility of the believer. That's the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. That is your responsibility. You don't get to make a choice if you now have declared to know Jesus. That's why we're inviting everybody. Listen, Christmas and Easter, we already know. It's the, it's the two times you can invite somebody. You heard it earlier. Everybody bring a friend next week. Anybody willing to sit on the floor for somebody to hear about Jesus for the very first time? Raise your hand. Bring a friend, bring a cushion. I'm serious. Come up, join me on the stage. I don't care. Actually, I do. <laughs> Ignore that part. So here he is, Savior, Yeshua. His name, Emmanuel, he identifies him as the son of God who came to dwell among his people. Why? Because we know that Emmanuel means God with us. And so now he is coming to be with us, to dwell amongst us. So here he is. Christ means anointed one. He is the anointed one, the chosen one, fulfilling all these prophecies. And so listen, when, when a friend says like, I don't really celebrate Christmas, I just say happy holidays. Like, I'm always very nice. Everybody's like, happy holidays. I'm like, Merry Christmas, man. Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad. If you're afraid of, uh, of saying Merry Christmas, just say Feliz Navidad. They forget that means Merry Christmas. <laughs> it, it works. Just trying to help. Like, I, I, I just go, wait a second. Like, there's significance here. Christ means anointed one. I think we've lost the awe of God being born amongst us. He is the word and the word dwelt amongst us. John 1, all the way back to creation. We know who he is. Remember, Jesus has always been, just he came 2,000 years ago in human flesh. So here he is, is the anointed one, Emmanuel, God with us. Fully God, co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. I think part of what we recognize is that the birth of Jesus, God being with us, dwelling with us is real. So when your friends look at you and they say, well, how do you really know? It's like, how do you just I simplify it? How do we have over 300 prophecies and all of these things over this course of time, centuries and centuries and centuries, tie perfectly together to its fulfillment? You literally think, and especially with no technology, it's not like they had the internet to share it all over the world. The average card that was written 170 years ago that was written in Europe and was sent to the United States, the average delivery time was what? Three to six months. So go back thousands of years and everything lined up perfectly. Why? Because it came from the divine. 
I think part of my desire today is to help us recognize the significance of all the prophecies, but also to know, look at the name of Jesus and go, wait, he is the anointed one. He is savior. He is Yeshua, salvation. He is God with us. And so as a result of that, which Jesus do you need to know today? Meaning, what do you need to hold on to? Do you need to hold on to the fact that he's a wonderful counselor? You're walking through hardship and some of you are going, I don't know. What am I even going to do next week? I have no one to be with. If you have no one to be with next week, you let us know. Let us know. So maybe he's that wonderful counselor that you need. What's the name of Jesus? And maybe he's that everlasting father and you need to hold on to the everlasting father because you have such a bad relationship with your father and that understanding of having a father needs to be redefined. For some of you, you need to hold on to the name that means Jesus meaning salvation because you need to know Yeshua, he has delivered you for all those who have faith in him. And that he is maybe, maybe the name's Emmanuel. We, we've got cards for you out on tables and different places. As you leave today, we want you to take one. It's like a bookmark almost. I don't know if people still use books, but take it. And you can... Write down the name. There's different names of Jesus that are, that's there for you. And I would encourage you to write down a name that you need to hold on to this next week. Like write down a name that you, there's like, what is it? Like, what is that name for you? Get it in your mind. For me, it is this year. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just Emmanuel. Like the, the, the realization that God would dwell amongst us is just mind-boggling to me. Like that he would come in his beauty and in his perfection, that he would come and willingly choose to dwell in our hurt and in our mess ever since the fall, creation and fall, ever since that time when we messed it all up, that he would choose to do that for us. I just think it's beautiful. I think, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Why would I not want other people to know that? What name of Jesus do you need to carry this week? And do you truly know Jesus? The promised one who will save people from their sin, the name of Jesus is so great that perhaps you need to fulfill the scripture where it says at the end of the day, listen, we already know every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Do you know Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who is royal and majestic, who came to redeem, to rescue the world from their sin? meeting the greatest need of humanity, meeting the greatest name, the greatest need of humanity. He's perfect. Maybe one of the best gifts we can give you is just this moment to slow down before chaos ensues.
And some of you are going, and you don't understand, Joel, I got family coming. I'm, somebody told me earlier, like, you don't, Joel, they come once a year. They're, they're coming. They look, they're like, what, what would you do? What do I do with them? I'm like, get a tent. Like, maybe you need to get a hotel room. I don't know. Like, don't let anything remove the reality that the Messiah has been given. So let's just, I just want to allow us to pray together and to sit for just a moment in silence. And I want to pray over us, whether you're here in this place or in one of the other venues or sites or just watching from a living room, it doesn't matter. Can we try to turn off the other noises and just go before the throne? Jesus, everybody say it. Jesus. He has come. Let's pray. Jesus, you're Emmanuel, God, with us. You're Yeshua, salvation, redemption, renewal. You are hope for the entire world. You are beautiful and majestic and all-powerful. God, may everyone listening to this recognize the power of your name the significance of your name, the majesty of your name. Jesus has come. God in flesh born amongst us, we celebrate the coming of a king. And so just bless my friends, let them know the power of your name. Praise be to God. Amen.